Amen. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, you can have a seat. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, <clears throat> What is faith? It is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It is evidence of things we cannot yet see. Faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is, to us humans, faith is sometimes a struggle. And God wants you to understand that you can't fly until you leave the bluff, until you exit the nest, until you take the chance. You know, the Wright brothers, they only flew less than the width of a 747. Their first flight was short. Whoop, boom. But I bet their adrenaline was pumping. When Chuck Yeager got into that plane, he had, you know, been in a fight the night before or something. He broke a rib somehow. And he had to use a stick to pry the door shut. And he was going to be the first man to go supersonic. They dropped his jet out from under a plane and he took off and went over 800 miles an hour. And uh, I got a feeling that his adrenaline was just uh, beyond measure. I have a friend who, um, he gets uh, the Suzuki Hayabusa motors. Suzuki sends him three of them every year, and he runs on the salt flats with uh, Akatak. It has two motors in it, and if he blows the motor, he has a spare, and then when they're done, all three of them go back to Japan for them to look at it and see how the stress did on the motor. He's trying to break 400 miles an hour on two wheels. It's pretty fast. Look him up. Akatak. A-C-K. Akatak. Sometimes... God wants us to take a chance and believe for something that is just unbelievable. It might be that your storms were your own creation. It might be that your storms were out of your control and just swept through and took everything away from you. But God wants you to understand that you have to take that leap of faith that God I may not understand, but I trust you. And I believe even though I don't see you, even though sometimes I don't hear you, even so sometimes I might not feel you, you're always present and you're with me and you never leave me, you never forsake me. You know, we can look back and see the footprints of God in our life. We can look back and see that that difficult time was difficult, but we shouldn't have made it and we couldn't have made it without God. I know there are people in the room that could say, I should be dead. But you're not. God's been with you. Even when you were outside of his will to get you to a point where you could know him the way you know him right now. If you don't know him, I want you to understand, he's knowable. If you haven't met him, he's meetable. If you haven't learned from him, be teachable because he's got a lot to tell you. Papa God is wanting an intimate relationship with you. But he'll walk you through a lot of storms 
until you start listening. The storm is where the three Hebrews met the fourth man. It was in the storm. When they were thrown into a fiery furnace that was so hot that it killed the people that got close enough to push them in. When the king came and looked in the, you know, looking glass or the hole in the rock or whatever it was, and uh, there weren't three men, there were four. I got a feeling at that point, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are kind of like, we'll just hang in here for a little while. This is working out just fine. Daniel had a law passed against him, and I believe in America we're going to see laws passed against us. They tried to outlaw the Bible in California as hate speech. They told uh, the citizens of Babylon not to pray to anybody but Nebuchadnezzar. They set up a big idol to him. That's what got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in trouble. And now they told him to pray to nobody but their God, Nebuchadnezzar. So Daniel flipped open the shutters and prayed toward Jerusalem like he did every day, knowing that they knew, and that's why the law was written. And the king couldn't go back on the law he'd signed. But he could go down there in the morning and say, Daniel, are you still there? The king had to have some faith to believe that there was any possibility that he was still in a den of hungry lions. They always show this picture of a shaft of light. You ever seen that? It's a shaft of light coming into the den where the lions are. And, you know, uh, uh, Daniel's standing there looking so noble in a shaft of light and the lions are pacing around behind him. I don't believe it. I believe once he realized that God wasn't going to allow the lions to uh, chew on him. I think it was like a bunch of big furry beanbags. He just found a place to sleep and laid back against the lion until morning got there. we got to come to the point that we believe we can cross the Red Sea. The storm wasn't getting across the Red Sea. The storm was that the Roman, that Egyptians were coming down on Moses and his crowd. So think about that. You've got the mightiest army of the time coming after unarmed untrained slaves. Their backs against the Red Sea and here comes the army, the superpower of its day. Moses does what God tells him to do and they walk across on dry land. Now your storm is also the enemy's trap because they got across on dry land so the Egyptians thought, well, good for one, good for us. Off they went. The reason God baited them out there, the reason God buried them out there, was so that the Israelites could believe that they weren't being pursued anymore, that God was going to take care of them. The Bible says that God's our rear guard. And so sometimes we feel like we're going to be overtaken. We'll be overtaken by our past. We'll be overtaken by our storm. We'll be beyond our means. We'll be beyond our strength. We'll be beyond our ability. The doctor is going to tell me, and I'm not going to be able to handle it. With God, we can handle anything. 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I don't need strength if it's going to be all smooth sailing. I need strength if I'm going to hang on for dear life. But God's going to walk us through it. God doesn't necessarily want us to seek out storms. God wants us to not fear the storm. God just wants us not to fear it. Bring it on, devil. I'm equipped. I put on the full armor of God this morning. And I'm ready. I don't want to fight. But if you bring it, me and Jesus will be all right. And that's what you got to believe. Not because the circumstances are great. The truth is God's going to let you go to a point that it's beyond your human ability because none of us will get to heaven on our points. None of us will get to heaven because we've been good enough. The problem with church is we start to believe we're good enough for God. Good enough for heaven. And God will let us in because of some merit we possess. I don't possess any merit. I'm going to heaven on the grace of God. For by grace are you saved. Through faith. It is a gift of God. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. Nobody's going to get to heaven and say, here I am, God, aren't you lucky to have me? We're going to fall on our face and kiss the dirt of heaven and say, oh, thank you, God, I made it. We don't have to be fearful. God says he'll deposit the Holy Spirit in us as an assurance that we're saved. And as a reminder that without his strength, we can't make it. So what storm's brewing in your life? Some storms are little, and some storms are big. Some storms are a lesson, and some storms are a torment. But through all the storms, God will see you across. But you have to believe that. I've been in so many different kinds of storms with a friend in a tornado, and he just acted like it was nothing. What kind of friend is that? I'm telling we we are sitting in his pickup, and, and when that pole broke and was swinging on the wires, I'm like, come on! When the tree split and fell to the ground on the other side of us, it's like, now! The time is now to recognize we're in a storm! God wants you to understand that uh, you can just be at peace. You can rest. In the hollow of his hand is nothing to fear. Nothing. God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. When you hear a Christian saying, I, I'm, just, I'm just losing my mind, you're not listening to one that's resting in the arms of his Savior. There's no such thing as losing our mind. If you want to live without your mind, you'll have to go live with the devil because God has given you a sound mind. God wants you to understand it doesn't matter what the circumstance is. He's bigger. It's not how big the dog is in the fight. It's how big the fight is in the dog. When the Holy Spirit's in us, 
We are connected to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We're connected to a warrior. God came as a lamb and died on a cross. And so everybody sees this meek and mild Jesus. The Bible says when he comes back, his vesture is going to be dipped in blood. And it's going to be tattooed on him, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is not a guy coming back. This is a guy that would make the Terminator go yelping away. Because this is going to be our king. Not a lamb. The lamb has already been slain for our sins. Now it's a conqueror. And when he comes, he's going to come in power. And he's going to defeat the enemy. The devil's job is to make us feel small. And God's job is to teach us who we are. We're seated in heavenly places. You know, uh, not every bird can get above the storm. Only certain birds can do this. But some of the little songbirds, they got to hunker down, find a hiding place, or just turn their back to it and get pelted by the rain or the wind or whatever. But some birds can you you know, the eagle can take the storm and go. Hello, woo, Jesus, hallelujah. What? This, is it, can you, what, what? Did you give me, is this a, what's wrong with this? Come, I've got, I've hallelujah. You know, uh, there are so many times in life that the little foxes spoil the vine. It's not necessarily that it was, you know, a category four tornado or a hurricane that joined up with another hurricane that flattened every building in town. Sometimes it's just a drip. And the devil just keeps dripping. He just keeps bringing that little thing and he keeps coming at you. You've got to declare, don't, don't beg. God's children don't beg. Don't beg. Declare. Amen. I am a new creation in Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. 
Oh, God, forgive me for my past. Well, didn't you ask him to do that last week? Forgive me for my past. Have you done something since then? No, forgive me for my past, God. He forgave you. Let's move forward. Teach me who I am in Christ. Help me, God, to fully understand the armor of God. Help me, God, to step out. Help me, God, to, to walk on demons. Because the Bible says very clearly that we don't have to be afraid. God is not wanting us to live hunkered down in some storm shelter spiritually. God doesn't want us to go down there with our Thompson chain and go, okay, okay, Lord, help me get through the storm. He wants us to stand up and declare, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Fear, faith is being sure of what you hope for, certain of what you do not see. You know, the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And when you look at that, first of all, there's the seek first God. If you seek God with all your heart, your priorities are going to shift. And the things you wanted in the world are not the things you want in Christ. Because all of a sudden, it's not just about me. And so, as I learn through the storm, I'm not learning just for me. God wants you to learn so that when you grow through, you can help others grow when they walk into their storm. There's a storm that God's using to teach you so that you can have compassion and comfort and encouragement for the next guy hitting the same storm. We passed through a storm going to Benton to see our grandchildren. As soon as we got to our grandchildren at my son and daughter-in-law's house, the storm caught up with us and went over the house. We went through it, and then it came back over us. And sometimes you may feel that way. Yeah. If you turn your back on the ocean and the waves are big enough, it can slap you down. you got to watch those waves. They're pretty sneaky. You get caught in a riptide, you better swim crossways because you're not swimming out of it. The ocean's pulling too hard. you got to swim across it until you're out of the riptide. Then you can go to shore. Many strong swimmers have struggled and even could potentially drown trying to get out of a riptide just fighting the ocean. Don't fight your storm. Put up your sails and go. Run with it. God, God doesn't want you to be sunk. God wants you to be propelled. I love speed. Never been on a racetrack, but I'd like to drive that way. That'd be fun. Get up on the turns at Talladega where it's about 45 degrees. and You can't even walk to the top of a turn at Talladega. Did you know that? Just that speed that you're going so fast you're just stuck to the pavement. Oh, wouldn't that be fun? Actually, actually, uh, Jay Lennon was talking about that experience. He got in a race car and went up on Talladega and... The car hit one of those turns and started spinning, and his training from race car driving was to look to the infield, look to the infield, look to the infield, look to where you want to go. So when you're in a storm, you need to look at Jesus, look at Jesus, look at Jesus, look at Jesus, and watch Jesus. You know, when I go to the Lord, he don't say, I don't know, Tim. What are we going to do? I don't know. I don't know. I'm in a panic. I, nobody's brought that to me before. I didn't know this could happen. Oh, Tim. Oh, Tim. What are we going to do? 
Tonight we're in the book of Matthew, chapter 8, verse 23. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. We've talked about this in these 37 miracles we're working through. There have been other nights we talked about the storm, but when it came up again, I was really tempted to skip it. And I really felt that God put his thumb on that idea and said, no. Maybe sometimes people need to hear something more than once. And, you know, sometimes we need to be reminded again. I went back, I was telling Connie, I went back and I just wanted to hear some of what I said last week. And I skipped back two weeks and I said the same illustration that I said the, last week. And I told Connie, I said, do I have Alzheimer's? What's the, how did I... How did I do that? That's, nobody's confronted me, so I told Connie, I said, maybe they got Alzheimer's. I don't know what's wrong. <laughs> Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples suddenly. Have you ever had that moment when all your bills are paid, you got a little money in the bank, you got a vacation planned, and then suddenly something flies into your life? Suddenly. Suddenly. You just went to the doctor to refill your prescription. They said, we need to take a look at that. No, no, I just want you to sign my prescription so I can go get another bottle of, you know, blood pressure pills or something. Yeah, I think we're going to send you for an MRI. No, I don't, I don't want Mr. I. Mm -mm. Suddenly can come right from left field. I've got a daughter that has two autistic children. That's a storm. I love my grandchildren, they're sweet. But they struggle in their own way. You just go through the storm, regardless. Sometimes we can't predict what the future holds. Sometimes the moment of greatest hope is leaving you with a sense of the greatest defeat. I don't know what storms you've been through. I know what I've been through. And I've already told you some of it. I don't need to tell you all of it. But I'll tell you what. I've had those moments when I lost the important things in life. Family. Opportunity. Reputation. I've been in those moments. I've been in those moments where decades went by and I look back wondering why it didn't go better. You know, when you're young, you're looking forward. When you get old, you start to reflect and get all nostalgic. I'm at a point in my life where I'm on the both sides. I still have lots to do. But I still am remiss to think that it, I could have done more. But sometimes you get beached in a storm. It happens. I spent four years in the dark. It didn't seem like God was speaking to me. It didn't seem like I was getting any peace over uh, the divorce I went through. And I felt beached, like you're on high ground and you're tottering and you can't get down. But then I worked with recovery and my struggles became my greatest counseling tool. Not to tell them about my problem, but they could sense that I could identify with their problem. And I could help them because I'd been through something, not by participating in their struggle, but because my struggle had equal amounts of loss, equal amounts of, of doubt and failure and, and just plain old loss. 
And a lot of people benefited. Whether they knew about my struggles or not, didn't matter. They benefited from my storm. They could tell I'd seen my share. And so have you. Don't be afraid of your storm. Embrace it. God, where are you taking me? Where are we going? He said, we're going to the other side. And we say, have you looked out there on the lake lately? Get in the boat. God wants you to believe. What do you believe? Some people believe in the fair weather Christianity that God is great until the road gets a little rocky and the waves get a little deep. And then it's like, well, God's not going to help me. I'll help myself. I'm going to go get in that port or that port or that port. And often we end up with the crowd we weren't supposed to because that wasn't the port we were supposed to be headed for. Sometimes we go back to what's familiar instead of ahead to what God has planned. You know, the familiar is not the place to live. The familiar means that we're going back to something that perhaps we need to get away from. God help us to get away from some of the things we need to stay away from. So suddenly a terrible storm came up. When it says a terrible storm, it doesn't mean... It sprinkled and it was kind of misty. There was sort of a fog. It was sort of refreshing, but it was a storm. The wind blew the sail back and forth. No, I'm talking about a wave. These guys, they'd been on the water. They were fishermen. Four of the 12 were directly fishermen. And so when these waves came up, they were experienced. But the waves were breaking into the boat. We get forded up, right? Put away a little savings. You know, got that little little extra folded in the back of our wallet in case something happens. Maybe a little room on your credit card in case something needs to be fixed. We kind of prepare. When we moved to Texas, they'd had ice storms and tornadoes and all kinds of stuff where we were. So Connie had water stacked up and blankets and I don't know why she thought we would sleep in the stairwell underneath the stairs, but she had, you know, she had this idea that in that building, this is the safest spot, and this is where my supplies are. We were on the second floor of a building, and I mean we were high up like it was like the third floor because it was like a 20-foot ceiling in the office, and we were living above where we worked, and if a thundercloud came over, she was ready to hit the deck. Let's hit the deck. We went to another job in Missouri, and we were on the second floor, and I mean, we were in a storm. We were in a storm where your chest vibrates. You ever been in that kind of thunder? Where it went boom, and I thought it went boom through me. It felt like that commercial where the guy's sitting in a chair and the stereo speaker's blowing his hair back. It was one of those, it'd go boom, and we'd go whoa. And the lightning felt like it wrapped 360 degrees around our apartment. It was a storm. I drove over to St. Joe's, Missouri. We were living in Carthage during that time, and we went to look at St. Joe's, and you can see from Google a big crescent shape where the tornado came through. Not when we were there, but before our time. There there was such a strange feeling to drive into a town and block after block after block had no houses. It'd have apartments or businesses on the end of the block and maybe one house down the street, and every other house had been cleaned off for blocks and blocks and blocks. It was clean, it was neat and tidy. I mean, whoever does their disaster relief, they really cleaned up the place. 
But the people were gone. There were no houses. I'm thinking some of those people either didn't have insurance or they got their check and said, huh, we're not staying, honey, let's go. I've been in earthquakes. I've experienced that. I thought I had a flat tire. I was pulling over. Lady come running out of the house. Did you feel that? And I said, yeah, I got a flat. No, you don't. It's an earthquake. The whole, you know, landscape's moving, not your tire. I was glad I didn't have to change the spare, but, you know. Sometimes we misinterpret the storm. We think we know what's wrong, and God is digging a little deeper than that. God knows more. Sometimes we think it's an easy fix, and God's shaking the whole planet to get your attention. You know, the thing about shaking a tree, I grew up around almonds. I don't know if any of you have ever had an almond tree, but almonds, you don't pick almonds. You pick cherries, you pick apples, you don't pick almonds, you knock the tree. And if you're an almond farmer, you have a shaker that grabs the tree by the trunk and literally shakes the tree. And then they catch it in big tarps. And, and they have machines that process that. But I was growing up with a pole. And so that pole would hit the tree and down would come the almonds. Sometimes we need a jolt to release the fruit that God put in us. Sometimes the love, the joy, the peace is all clammed up inside us because of our own shyness, fear, and our own selfishness. Sometimes God wants to hang you upside down and let the change fall out because you're supposed to be helping others, not just yourself. Suddenly a storm will come. I imagine, you know, this nice almond tree is going, wow, I got tons of fruit. Look at all those nuts. I mean, I got a load of produce. This is awesome. I and down comes everything while you're being shook. God's going to shake you, but he just wants to bring out what's within. The reason Jesus offended people, and he did it over and over and over, the reason he offended people is to get at their heart. What's in your heart? God doesn't care what's in your mouth. What's in your heart? It's out of the heart the mouth speaks. That's why he says, wash your hands, you sinners, and cleanse your heart. You thought about it before you ever did it. Nobody ever wakes up in the middle of a big puddle of sin and says, Oh, how'd I get here? You know how you got there. Don't tell me that. You've been thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking about it. And then you finally justified it. And you're wondering why this tornado you created that's ripping through your family. Well, it just happened. No, it didn't. And God's not going to accept that. But God will shake your world to get at your heart. God wants your heart to grow. He wants to fertilize it and he wants to plant some seed there. He wants your heart to be loving and compassionate. You know, the compassion's hard. It's hard to have compassion. Have you ever been with somebody you're driving along and there's somebody on the side of the road with a cardboard sign and all they say as they go speeding by is, get a job. And I'm thinking, you don't know their circumstance. You think you do. There's signs all over town. McDonald's is hiring. I thank God for all those generous people that do give to the homeless. And I don't want to perpetuate the plight of the homeless. But I do know from experience of working at a shelter, there's a lot of mental health issues among the homeless. Our country is failing the mental health system. We give people pills, but we don't give them compassion. Don't, don't think you understand until you've been there. We, we think we know everything. And then it happens to us. 
And then all of a sudden we have a different opinion. Have you met those Christians that are all of a sudden go soft on topics they were hard on? Because all of a sudden it happened to me. Well, wait a minute. We need to be more compassionate. No, we need to be more godly. And compassion will follow even when it's not in your family. Even when it's not among your friends. Even when it's not in your circle. Outside your circle, there are still people in need. Suddenly the storm hits. And it's a terrible storm. And the waves are breaking into the boat. You've had storms in your life and the consequences come lapping into the boat. I don't know about you, but I don't want the water in my boat. I want the boat in the water, but not the water in the boat. Boat in the water, not water in the boat. They make this thing called a bilge pump. Man, if I owned a boat, it'd have a pipe on it like that. If any water gets in there, it'd be out. I want my boat so dry you can, you know, leave your crackers on the floor. I don't want no water in my boat. I was riding a, a ferry from Coronado to San Diego, and we're motoring across. And, you know, being a ferry, it's got cars on there and stuff, and we're sitting up in the seated area, and it's motoring across. And all of a sudden, alarms are going off. Beep, 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 beep. And when I'm riding the boat, I don't want to hear alarms. And the captain came out of the pilot house and ran down through the seated area and down into the bells of the ship. And then the captain ran back up and got on the mic and said, we've cleared all the traffic ahead of us. We're going to make a hard, uh, you know, landing at the dock. Hard landing at the dock. Yeah, they're going in full speed. And then we heard the motors go backwards as they just drifted it right in and made a hard thump on the dock and people started throwing ropes and getting us off. The seal, one of the seals on the drive shaft had failed and the boat was taken on water. There's all kinds of storms. Your life may be taken on water. You're spending too much time seeking out the thoughts that you shouldn't be seeking. You're letting it flood the interior of your heart and it's going to smother you and drown you when you not only are tempted, but you're committing the sin that is playing with you. Don't let the devil entice you. The eye, the window to the soul, the devil is going to play whatever in front of you, dangle whatever. You know, it's not going to be the same for everybody. A lot of people think it's always, you know, it's always one thing or another that will get somebody. No, it's not. It can be the small. Remember, the little foxes spoil the vine. It could be that you're embarrassed to admit something, so you tell the tiniest lie, a little bitty lie. It's just a little, you know, the, have you heard people say there's white lies? There are no white lies. Lies are all in the negative category, not the positive category. Don't, don't cleanse it. Don't polish it. Don't put, you know, Mr. Clean on it and say, oh, I'm just saving their feelings. If, if my wife looks awful in something, I'm going to tell her because I don't want... I don't want people to be giggling under their breath at my wife. My wife's beautiful, but not everything is going to compliment any figure. Sometimes that sack needs to go back, and we need that, you know, pretty thing. Tell the truth. Shame the devil. Sometimes we believe that the father of all lies doesn't apply to us. If I tell a lie, that doesn't mean the devil's my daddy. According to the Bible, it does. And those are the seeds that start the storm. 
Some of the storms are our doing, folks. Quit blaming other people for your choices. My Lord. I know I lit the match, but it wasn't my fault the house burned down. They didn't do enough maintenance. What? Maintenance? Yeah, they should have had a sprinkler system in the duplex. I know, I know, I lit the curtains on fire. I just wanted to see what it would look like. There are people that will burn their own life down. Don't kid yourself. But God's telling you, hey, let me guide you. Let me lead you through the storm and out on the other side. Suddenly, suddenly a terrible storm came up. The waves were breaking into the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. Jesus! What are you doing sleeping? Because he's the prince of peace. And the creator of the heavens and the earth. He doesn't have to worry because we're his children and he's given us all authority in heaven and earth because it says, I was given all authority in heaven and earth and I'm giving it to you that in my name, not in, not, you know, don't ever come down here thinking I'm going to say in the name of Tim, I'm telling you in the name of Tim, nothing's going to happen. Demons are going to roll around on the floor laughing, but if I say in the name of Jesus, in the name and authority and power in, the, in Jesus' name. Demons tremble at that name. Demons fear that name. They don't fear my name. They fear his name. And when I use his name, they respond. God, help us have the perspective. I am saved by grace through faith, not of myself, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You're not getting to heaven on your goodness. You're getting to heaven on God's coattails. He did it. Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went up to him and woke him up. Can you imagine that conversation? Wakey, wakey, Jesus. Wakey, wakey. Wakey, wakey. No, they grabbed him and shook him. Jesus! Help! Jesus. Lord, save us. We're going to drown. I've been a Christian a long time. And I have felt I was drowning. Before. Did you ever hear about that old couple? They've been married 75 years. Wow. You know. Just an old couple, married 75 years, and a great-grandson is sitting by his great-grandpa, and he said, great-grandpa, what's it like to be married to grandma for 75 years? He said, oh, son, it's like 10 minutes underwater. <laughs> there will be times like that when you wonder where God is. And while you're falling down into the depths, his hand's coming up to lift you back. While Jonah was sinking out of the boat he'd been thrown from, God was bringing up a fish to swallow him and hold him for a few days. Jonah needed a little uh, attitude adjustment. And so do we sometimes. 
The storm may be in our life. Listen, if you've gone around this mountain more than once, I'm telling you there's a lesson to learn and you're not catching it. God is willing to let you go through the storm. You ever watch that movie, Groundhog Day? It's the same idea. The idea that you're reliving something. And God's saying, when you listen to me, you can go on. There was a pastor who preached the same scripture every Sunday. So uh, the church confronted him and said, Pastor, for six months you've said, you know, Matthew chapter 7, verse 30 or whatever. Where do you get to preach on something else? He said, when you learn that one, I'll go to the next one. <laughs> Ouch. But God will let you go through a storm until you understand he's trying to strip away your excuses and get down to the reason for your struggles. He's trying to strip away your attitude and get down to the heart of the matter. He's trying to take away all the sarcasm and bring you down to the truth because God wants you to thrive. God wants you to thrive. You know, if you plant a tree, you ever seen a tree with two stakes and a little, you know, a little band around them holding the tree up? You don't want that to be tight. If you make it tight, that tree will be weak. You make it loose so that the tree is pushed around by the wind and the storms. Because the more that trunk moves, the stronger it gets. The problem is we believe we need God just to hold us in place. God, I just want to get to heaven. Keep me safe. Keep me safe. And God's loosening up his restraint and letting us sway with the storm because he wants us to be strong. He doesn't want a bunch of wimps in heaven. He wants a bunch of warriors. He wants us to go in like we've done battle with the devil, not like we're running from him. The Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against us. That means we're storming hell and drawing out the people that are going to lose their life and go there. God wants us to kick in the door and tell the devil we ain't taking no prisoners. We're delivering the captive. But we got to believe that. we got to believe that. What do you believe? What do you want? You know, one thing the disciples did right is they knew where to go. When the storm's howling and it's a little bigger than you are, they went to Jesus. Where are you going? When the storm's howling and it's difficult. You know, the devil wants nothing more than to isolate you. The devil wants nothing more than for you to feel like you're drowning. Jesus answered him when he asked, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he stood up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and suddenly all was calm. The disciples just sat there in awe. Who is this, they asked themselves. Even the wind and the waves obey him. God can move your mountain. The Bible said if you have the faith of a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, go be cast in the sea, and it'll do it. You know why we don't move more mountains? Because we don't believe it. If you'll just believe, you'll get to the other side. If you'll just listen, God will tell you what to do. If you'll just read the word, you'll know what God expects. But the problem is, we say, ah, this Christianity thing doesn't work. And you could wipe a film of dust off your Bible. 
If you don't know the promises, you can't invoke the promises. If you don't know the Word of God, you can't live the Word of God. If you haven't read the Bible, you can't hold God accountable for your failure. This is what it's all about. God put us into this life to find Him. We found Him. We're here. You could be a lot of other places. You've been a lot of other places. But the storms tossed you in our door. And you came in here and found the calm. And the waves were quieter in here where people were praising God and worshiping. It, it, it didn't seem like the howl outside was as loud in here. And you found people that loved you even if you had some warts and you were just a little ugly. I'm a lot ugly, but I don't stand around the mirror often. There's just a point here that God wants to make. He loves you. He's committed to you. And you're going to get through this. You may not believe that at this moment, but that's where faith comes in. Faith has nothing to do with what you can do. It has everything to do with what you believe he can do in your favor. So let God be God. God is not your drinking buddy. God is not your fishing pal. God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. God is the almighty everlasting God. God is the Alpha and Omega. God's the one that put it into spinning and God's the one that could bring it down to stopping. God can do anything he wants to do. This crazy planet is spinning through the universe and it's going at a thousand miles an hour at the equator. But when Joshua said, I need a little more time to finish this battle, God said, okay, and we didn't go flying off at a thousand miles an hour into space. God can do anything he decides to do and he can stop your storm on a dime if you can trust him. So it doesn't matter what the doctor said. It doesn't matter where your relationship went sour or what happened. It doesn't matter what your habit was or your addiction. It doesn't matter what you've done in life. It doesn't matter what your record is. It matters what your relationship with God is because God will calm your storm. God will get you out of it. Not because he wants you to escape reality. He wants you to learn through it. And he'll travel with you through every storm. I can't imagine. I have five children, six grandchildren. I can't imagine what it's like for you, Trish. I can't imagine. I saw that post and it just broke my heart. Parents aren't supposed to outlive their children. They're just not supposed to. It's not supposed to happen that way. I have one that was right there. We didn't hear from him for a while, and we thought every day, please, God, don't let him be in a ditch. I don't know how you do it. You know, part of it is the more you dedicate your heart to the Lord, the more he can flood your void with his peace and his joy. God wants to flood all of your voids with peace and with joy and with love. God loves you. But you got to believe that. Oh, God doesn't love me. God wouldn't love me. Quit listening to the devil and start listening to the Lord. You know, Amen. I just heard this. Uh, I didn't really explore it too deeply, but I heard enough of it. Your mind can't work on a negative. Here's an example. Don't think about elephants. 
Don't think about elephants. Quit thinking about elephants. You're thinking about elephants, aren't you? Do not think about an elephant. Do not do it. You can't do a negative. You have to do a positive. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Henry Ford said, whether you say you can or you can't, you're right. He was right. Not everything he said was right, but that one was. That one was right. Understand this. God is not only inspired to receive you into his family, but to empower you to do great conquests and great and mighty things. We're not following around a meek and mild Jesus that holds his mouth tight like he did before his accusers. Now we're following a king and a warrior and a lord. And he's got his sword out and he's got his shield out and he's fighting for you. Don't believe for a minute that this is a milly mouth religion. The devil's tried to feminize Christianity. Christianity's for men and women, not for wimps and weaklings. This is a place to stand. You want to be the most manly man you've ever been? Stand for Jesus. The devil will run. God elevates. The devil humiliates. If you stand in the manly way the devil wants you to stand, you'll just always come home bruised and beaten and laying in the gutter half the time. But if you come home the way God wants you to come home, you'll sound like the chink of armor. You'll come in the door like a man with your head up, like a woman of God that's a warrior, that's achieving great things for her family, for her friends, for her neighbors, for his neighbors. God wants you to show people that you can get through the storm. People want to be able to look at you and believe that it's possible that somebody can come through that victorious. They're watching you. And they're deciding what they think of God based on your life. What are you showing them? We run around like chicken little. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. We may not have who we want in office in some part of the government, but the King of Kings is still on his throne. Jesus will never be voted out. You can't impeach him. You can't get him out of office. You can't denigrate him until he quits God is going to persevere to the end and he's already going to we know with a fact he's going to win he's going to win he's going to win don't believe there's any storm that will overtake God if you're overtaken by God all he wants you to do is trust him if I can go part of the way but I can't make the full distance then trust him for the rest God's got this But do you believe it? Do you believe it? Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father.